Welcome back, friend. Come on in. Your seat is still warm. Or so Gregory says. If you're just joining us directly from the previous article, welcome back. If you are joining us from the Notes with the Narrator segment, I would like to remind you that there is some spooky stuff we're about to deal with. This part of the story contains themes of despair, mild body horror, and anything that would trigger automatonophobia. So please, be safe and well, and if you need to, feel free to skip those segments. I will put a timestamp in the description to keep you safe. What about me? <laughs> I am truly honored and humbled that you are thinking about me. Thank you. I will be fine. After all, I'm not alone. I have all of you, and Gregory too. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's begin, shall we? <clears throat> Article 16. Soulless and Seeking. The camera is in total darkness, but we can hear the crackling of wood as something above us is being torn away. Light begins to scythe in, briefly blinding our viewpoint. As we adjust to the new brightness, we can see the faces of three people. Captain Jesse, looking mortified. Wayland, staring down at us with horror. And Elliot, whose eyes are brighter than the midday sun above us because of their wide, nearly maniac grin of glee. The camera shifts from being within the crate looking up to being above the crate, looking down. We see a statue of a person, sitting up, curled in the fetal position. The deep patina of the rough stone shines like gold, and gems are inlaid down along its spine. The features, though hidden mostly due to the position, are few and far between, save that the limbs are longer than normal. It merely resembles the silhouette of a person, sitting, with legs clutched to the chest, the face buried behind the knees. The fingers and toes are not defined, giving the impression of perhaps wearing mittens or socks. The head is a bald pate, with a single crude gem protruding where the spine meets the skull. Well, I hate all of this. What? The is that thing. This, my friends, is a piece of history. I mean, technically, isn't everything a piece of history? Oh, sweet good captain. It's it's not just that. It's, oh God, I need my notes. <laughs> and Elliot turns away to open his bag. We both turn to Elliot. The camera follows Elliot as he's fumbling with his bag. We pan slowly backwards from him to see that Jesse and Wayland are also looking at Elliot. When he finally lifts his head, having found what he was looking for, Elliot shrieks and points at us. As we shift viewpoints once again, the first thing we notice is that the statue has moved. Oh no. <sighs> Fuck you. We can now see full definition and detail of long fingers, and toes. The face, however, remains featureless, as if it is wearing a full mask. What was once seated inside the crate is now standing, one leg over the side, 
one hand clutching the crate as if to steady itself as it climbs out, and the other hand reaching in desperation for Waylon's face, the fingertips inches from their nose. God damn it. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Put it back. Put it back. We can't because it's out of the box now. Don't blink. Blink and you're dead. Wayland instinctively draws his gun and, and aims it. Doesn't fire, just aims it. What does Jesse do? Jesse is staring at this thing. He is not letting his eyes off of it. Sonia is rubbing her temple and pinching the bridge of her nose. You have any idea how long it took me to get it into the box? I'm sorry, what? You heard me. Charles. I? You and I are going to have a very long talk when we're at the next port as to the jobs you pick out. It's not my fucking fault. I don't... I, I don't choose these. Clearly, you brought it back to the rose, so... Look, quick, easy job. Take the crate, dump it in the ocean. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, we all go home happy. I... Well, it just got a lot more complicated, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. Elliot. Not letting his eyes off the thing now, rifling through trying to find a book, and pulls it out. I need to take my eyes away from the thing. We are looking at it. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay, so, let's see, let's see, where is it, where is it? Ah, here, here, here. Okay, there is, remember the the sunken city that I told you about? It's it's actually right where we need to drop this thing off, so that's really great. It's called, it's called Statisimba, at, uh, Statisimba... And Mama Coco is walking by and hears Elliot getting excited, and then she kind of furrows her brows. Dad disembida. Ah, uh, what did you say? Dad disembida. No, thank you. I plan on eating soon. What the fuck is that? In Haraguin, it's the Solar City. Dad disembida. It's an old Haraguin legend. It's said that those without souls cannot pass into the afterlife, and so their bodies remain tethered to this world. That's really about it. It's more of a a ghost story you tell your children in order to sleep at night. You say, you better watch out because you're going to become a denizen of stat disembida if you don't go to bed, you know. Oh, great. And Elliot is rifling through his book. Yes, Miss Coco, that's very true. Absolutely, but all myths are based off of fact, and the fact is that there is a sunken city at the bottom of this channel. For whatever reason, the gods struck this city from Terra, and all the denizens there are cursed. Of course, we have no idea why they're cursed or why it is that the city just doesn't exist on any map. But but it's so great. Just look at this. Nope. Nope. The camera is going to see that there are scribbles and drawings of these humanoid shapes. Kind of like the hieroglyphs of Egypt. He's just enraptured by his own notes and he's rambling and going on and on and on. Charles. Aye, sir. Do me a favor. Go grab a mirror. Want to try something? And while you're at it, grab Hawthorne. We might need to build a bigger box. All right. Because it's not going to be happy. Charles leaves and knocks on Cosette's door. 
And there's a brief interaction there that we can't really see because the camera's unfocusing from that and focusing on Hawthorne, who's walking up the steps, looking just... Exhausted? They always look exhausted, but they look extra exhausted today. Like, they are not willing to deal with any bullshit today. Well, prepare for bullshit. (laughs) What is it? What could possibly be wrong now? Gun still trained on it. Hammer cocked. We have a passenger. Another one. Oh. Thanks. You shouldn't have. Does it need a room? I could give it a hammock, if you like. I... please don't. The moment we opened its box and looked away, it moved. That's impossible. Really? Yes. Are you looking at the box? I am looking at the box. Do you see how it's climbing out? Captain, with all due respect... If you are trying to pull the wool over my eyes, or play a prank on me, just know that the next time we hit port, I'm off this ship, okay? I don't have time for stupid ship shenanigans. Hawthorne. Hawthorne, close your eyes. Hawthorne closes their eyes. Jesse turns to Hawthorne. Open them up. So it was reaching for Wayland. Now it's put the hand reaching down onto the box to then reach at Hawthorne. Does it have any facial features? It doesn't have any facial features. There's no cut jaw or or eye cavity. Almost faceless, but you can see that there's a bump for where the nose would be. And like a little sunken depression for the eyes. And a ridge just underneath the nose where the mouth would be. There's just this very thin, thin line. Its hand is reaching inches away from Hawthorne's face. Oh, no. Hawthorne opens their eyes. Thank you send the prophets above. Yeah, do you think it's a fucking joke now? You didn't move it? No. So Hawthorne would see that Waylon's hands are shaking. Waylon's hands never shake. Hawthorne cracks their knuckles visibly shakes off all of their fear, almost like a dog shaking off excess water, and barks down below while still keeping one eye on the thing for crewmates to bring up planks and wood. Any excess lumber that they have, up, top, deck, now. Nails, everything, now. Charles comes back with Cosette. What are you going to use my mirror for? I really, that is the one nice thing that I have on the ship. I would prefer it if you don't. Ah, Cosette. Captain? Have you brought the mirror? Good. Let me see it. It's very fancy. It's super fancy. Charles is holding the mirror. Place it on the mast. In it up. In front of it. Oi, Hawthorne. Hit me. And faster than this thing can apparently move, Hawthorne smashes a nail into the mast. Thanks. Sit to play. Please be careful with it. I'm not going to do anything crazy with it. What is all this about? Hopefully something that might work for the time being. If I could have everyone do me a favor and look away for just a moment. Look, just just look away, please. Everyone looks away. Jesse's keeping his eye on it as everyone turns away. Waylon's pointed in its general direction and just closes his eyes. Mm-hmm. This mirror is placed directly in front of it so that the only thing that it can see is itself. And Jesse blinks. So the thing was reaching at Hawthorne, which Hawthorne has been moving ever since. So obviously it's not reaching for them anymore. It's dropped its hand and it's got both hands on the edge of the crate. It's now looking at the mirror. Yes, he blinks again. 
it is now out of the box, standing in front of the mirror. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, Cosette. We. Oui? A very large blanket or canvas, please. Now. We. Oui. I think I have... Now. All right, all right. I'm going. And you hear Cosette going at her own pace, maybe a little bit more hurried. While they're away, Wayland is going to look at the reflection while everybody else is looking at it. Captain, this was a good idea. Everybody blink for a second. And I'm just going to keep my eyes on the reflection. As Wayland says that, Jesse pulls out the heart of matters. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. And he blinks and opens his eye back up stone in front of his eye. Both of you see the same thing, but you're looking through the heart of matters and you're looking through a mirror. You see a human, female. You can tell clearly by the chest cavity and the waist. And her face is distorted in grief. She's reaching longingly at the mirror. That desperation. You see it just briefly in the mirror as you blink. Did Boylan see it move in the mirror? Yeah, but it moved way too fucking fast. It moved way faster than any human can move. Oh, God. Oh, no. Jesse, do you still have the Heart of Matters on it? Are you still looking at it? Yeah. You can't see the rock around it anymore. Oh, I just see her. Mm -hmm. She's not decayed. She's not missing bits of her. She doesn't even look clammy. She looks as if she's frozen in time. Are there any identifying anything on her? Is there any telling where she came from? Or is she dressed in modern clothes? Yep, she is dressed in modern clothes. Probably a little dated. Nobody would really wear this kind of coat in this weather. So it's indicative of perhaps maybe winter in the Atabayan. She is wearing heavy wool garments. And there is one defining feature that kind of sticks out, especially to Jessie, on her neck, just below her ear. There is a skull tattoo, but with a bunch of circles around it, like a maelstrom. She look Haragwan? No, she does not look Haragwan. She looks Avalonian. She looks Avalonian. Mm-hmm. Oh no, oh no. Yeah, she has that sharp chin, sharp nose. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Cosette and Charles come back in frame, holding heavy winter wool blankets from Cosette's bed. Pops the sheets over. Tie it down at the bottom. They tie it around its feet and step away. Hawthorne at this point has stopped working because the thing obviously got out of the box and is watching. Their eyes are wide open. Every once in a while, they actively blink. Does she move anymore? No, she does not move. Okay. All right. No one touch her. Hawthorne. Yes? Keep working. Yeah, I didn't intend on stopping. Under any circumstances, I want no one touching that covering. That's an order. Aye, sir. Cosette walks over to her mirror, takes it down. Yes, thank you. Charles? Miss Cosette? I will be needing your sheets. Tonight. Uh, uh, None. You will be giving me your sheets. Oh, right, of course. Do we have any more business here? Sonia was just watching this whole thing, sitting down on a stool. Where the fuck did you get it? That's a great question. Like most of my wares, it was given to me. By who? An old Harugwin priest. 
He's pre-seventeen. Can't say it. What? Nah, I literally can't say it, and I'm not about to butcher it. He barely spoke Thayan, but he kept repeating, Sinbida, bring her home. So, we dropped this in the sea. What are we getting out of this? You'll get half your payment now. Out from behind her, shoves a small chest, about three feet by two feet, at your feet. Half at the bucket. Aye? Is there anything in here that we should be worried about? Not unless you're allergic to gold. (laughs) He clicks the lock open. It's a literal treasure chest full of wealth. There are guilders, there are small little gems. Nothing spooky about it. Before Jesse closes it, Waylon takes out a coin, touches his tongue to it, and waits a second. Okay, Jory. (laughs) Look, I'm not trusting anything. I wouldn't be offended if you bit it. Also wanted to lighten the mood. Miss Sonia, thank you. I think. Welcome. See you around. Thanks for the lantern. Welcome. And Sonya leaves the ship. Oh, fuck. All right. Oh, dear. All hands. Let's move. All hands get together. They all get ready. And they make way. Waylon pulls Jesse aside as they are preparing to leave port. Captain, I hate this. Yeah, so do I. You're not alone. Don't worry. All right. Fuck. We've dealt with Wes. I hope so. And we will deal with Wes. I don't hope so. Wayland, do you remember the worst day you've ever had? Thousand yard stare and just a quiet... Yes. Well, you made it through that. I think you can make it through this. And he slaps him on the shoulder. Right. Heads up to the helm. What does Wayland do? <laughs> I don't know that we've ever established that. <laughs> he just like hangs out. He just like kicks a rock in the deck the and just kind of like pulls his arms. And just... You're the master at arms. I understand, but what does that entail other than polishing guns and preparing weapons for everybody? That's literally it. Fantastic. I need, I need my comfort space. <laughs> you need your gun. You need your comfort guns. You need my guns. You need your Second Amendment. <laughs> Grela, we're in for a long journey. Speaking of journey, you guys established that you split up the crew in two groups, one of them being Man the Sails and the other being the Culling Crew. So, Wayland, you better make sure that the Culling Crew has the weapons that they need. They're all ready and fit for service and powder packs loaded and... Goddamn right I will. Everything shiny and new. It is now dusk. And Elliot has set up a small table, which consists of two barrels with a piece of wood on top of it. And he's got papers all over it and a small stool. And he's just been examining this thing. Now, he has not taken the cover off of it, but he has been poring over his notes and referencing what he saw today based off of what's going on. And he's just feverishly checking his notes. And every once in a while, you'll hear him mutter, Oh, oh, but that's not right. That doesn't make any sense. No, 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 no. That's not right. Need help with anything or? Well, Wayland, it's it's not necessarily that I need help with anything. It's just it's just getting my thoughts in order and getting all of my data compiled in the same place. Right now, it's a little bit chaotic. Uh, unfortunately, I just I don't have a proper workspace. Otherwise, it would be like my chaos, right? I, I would know where everything is. But right now, it's just. I, I don't mind. I, I'm not complaining at all. It's just, I, 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 I don't know. I, 
I'm doing my best. Wayland takes a long moment. Oh, I'm gonna regret this. Um, in my quarters, there is the general workbench, and there's my personal workbench. If you would like to borrow the general one for now, I can move all projects over to my personal one. I, I couldn't possibly... No, that's that's your space. I couldn't encroach on yours. I am offering this after long thought. Waylon, that's very kind of you. I... Just don't stay up too late muttering to yourself, and it'll be fine. I... I... Thank you. I will not forget this. I, I do appreciate this. Uh, thank you. And he gathers all his stuff, and... Waylon, do you take a peek at the... at the... Um, the thing? Mm-hmm. It's moved. What? Uh, underneath the blanket? It's physically moved from the spot it was at. Is it because the feet are exposed? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. So it was facing the mast. Now it's facing where Elliot was sitting. Well, the tattered remains of Wayland's old jacket aren't anywhere now. They're just destroyed. Fuck me. Elliot? Uh, yeah? It's still moved. Oh, yeah, it will. What do you mean it will? Oh, it doesn't stop. Uh, please elaborate. I beg of you. Sorry. You know, sometimes I forget that people don't just inherently know these things. Because it is from what it's from and where it goes, it's said that they never stop moving until they find a soul. So it's always going to move. Now, on the deck, what we saw was, first of all, incredible. What's the word for it? Second of all, the fastest it could ever move if you didn't look at it directly. Now, what I mean by that is the sun... Now, I'm not actually sure if this is hearsay or rumor or whatnot, but I witnessed it. I watched it. I didn't actually watch it move. I, I, I blinked and it moved. So therefore, I watched it move. Sure. It moves its fastest in the light. Oh, God. Okay. But if you plunge it in darkness and remove all that light, it still moves, but much, much slower. So while I was sitting here doing my, my chaos, um, I had watched it slowly just turn its feet to face me. Now I, I know what it's after and I'm not gonna not gonna let it happen. But it's it's looking for a soul. It's always looking for a soul until it, it finally grabs one. Dear fucking God. Yep. That's why they're called the soulless. Alright. I'm regretting less and less my decision to bring you into my quarters, though this thing is not coming with Oh, no, we're... Mm -mm, no. Would it be smart to tie it down with anything? Uh, uh, chains, rope? Elliot gets up and gets on his elbows and knees and crawls over to its feet and taps very gently on the rock. This stuff right here, mm -hmm. it's not actually rock. Yeah, you, you would think that it's like sodalite or, or some kind of, you know, sedimentary rock because it's supposed to be at the bottom of the ocean. No, 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 sir. <laughs> nope, this is coral. Fun fact. I don't even know how to react to that. It's been down there that long. Or it was. Who knows? Some stories say that when they become soulless, they are encased immediately in this coral, which 
sucks the life out of them. Because as you know, coral is a living being, even though some scholars debate that it's not, and it's actually just, you know, well, anyway. So it's feeding off of whatever it is that's trapped in here. Of course, we think it's a human, but we've never been able to break inside and see. It's so strong. When I when I looked at it in the mirror, I didn't see that. I saw a woman. <gasps> woman. He crawls very quickly back to his little desk and gets up on his knees and starts immediately writing down everything. Describe her, please, in, in copious details, as much as you can. Uh, sure, I will do my best to describe everything that I, I had noticed while staring in abject horror. Gun still trained at it. Jesse, what are you doing? Where are you in all this? He's at the helm, watching over everybody, making sure that we're all ready to go. The waters have been calm. Winds are fair. Slightly east. Roz, he's hanging in a rope hammock that he's made in between the two masts. And he's kind of in the middle of it. You can kind of see what he's doing. Every once in a while, a piece of rope will just drop and then drop and then drop and then be reeled back in, and then drop, drop, drop from the other side, reel back in, drop, drop. And eventually, you hear his voice. Capitano? Yeah, Russ. Uh, I think we're coming up on some reef. Already? What it looks like to me. Jesse steps away and peeks over the side. It's just one lonely thing of coral just jutting out of the water. It's not the water is moving around this solid stationary object. It's this thing bobbing up and down in the water. And Roz leans forward in his hammock and looks a little closer. He drops down the rope and swings to run across the deck and lean as far as he can over the bow. Capitano, that's a person. That's a person. Man overboard. As soon as that is called out, everybody who is on deck just snaps to attention, starts going, and they bring this thing out of the water. Is it the same thing? Wayland, it's it's the same thing. Except when they bring it on board, you can only see half of it. They've laid it on its side, and when they roll it to its back, the other arm is loose and limp and real. Encased in coral? Only half of it is encased in coral. Same style of dress or different? Older. Older, okay. That coat that this person is wearing has not been in fashion for 30 years. Okay. And Jesse, you see on their neck that same tattoo. Have we seen that anywhere before? No. No, you have not. Have I? Wayland, you have. Oh, fuck me. You recognize it as a tattoo on the neck of someone whom you called a father at one point in your life. Oh, fuck me. Wayland says nothing. Hawthorne is on deck, still finishing that crate, and walks over. So we're just gonna pick him up out the sea now, huh? Right out of the ocean? They have the same markings. What markings? On the neck, under the ear. Hawthorne kneels down and lifts the person's neck up just enough to see. Oh, jeez, Captain. I haven't seen this symbol since I was a kid. It's an inked representation of their black flag. 
reports from a ship called the Maelstrom. Is it of any importance? It was around when the first charter was signed. It was one of the first ones up there beyond, you know, the charter. It was also one of the first ships to be cursed. As you all know, the flames mean different things. This was one of the first to burn black, after the black spots showed up. And it's still hanging to this day. If we're pulling up people from that cursed ship, we're probably closing in on where it was cursed. Wayland's just staring. Elliot! Hi, yeah, that's me. I'm here. Uh, uh, yes? How can we stop these things from moving around the ship? Well, they actually don't stop moving- They put their finger on Elliot's mouth. Just tell me if the box is gonna help. Mm-hmm. Good. In the meantime, will a tarp suffice for now? Mm-hmm. Great. Somebody go grab a tarp from the bilge. Roz hears that, drops down, runs downstairs, comes back up with a heavy fur blanket. And he unfurls it, lays flat against the person. And Hawthorne continues to build a crate for it. Jesse, Roz looks at you. Capitano, I... This is a bad omen. Yeah, I know. I don't like it either. I know there's not a lot we can do about it now, but perhaps I can convince Ursa to have these things down below with her. At least that way they won't cause a fuss or get in our way too much. Perhaps it might be better coming from you, Capitano. She will be less likely to disagree if it is a direct order. Not that I cannot convince her, but... Yeah, I'll go talk to her. Coco. Yeah. You've got the helm. Got it. Slower in darkness. Quick in the light. Oh, it makes me hate it more. All right, I'll be right back. I'll say this. I've never been afraid of the sun before. Jesse says nothing and turns. Yeah, Wayland, so long as his duties are taken care of for the moment, he's just daring. And anytime he needs to blink... He does one eye, and then the other. Mm-hmm. Evan, what the fuck have we done? You, you guys brought this on yourselves. <laughs> you only have yourselves to blame. You know, we usually say off the starboard bow, it's the consequences of our own actions, but that's usually for the characters. This is real life. Jesse, you head down below decks. There is a clear delineation between light as soon as you pass, say, the fourth step down into the bilge. And you can hear... The heavy creaking of the ship as it's moving through the water. You can hear the water moving around the planks. It's that sense of being underwater, but not at the same time. That muffled noise. If people are talking up above deck as you are walking down, you can't hear anything down here other than the water all around you. Yeah. And it's very dark down here. There are no lights there are no lanterns. As soon as you step down, you can feel eyes on you in the dark. Lower, sir. You're going to have a couple of passengers down here. They... I don't really know the best way to say this, but they're encased in some sort of coral, and they move. They're statues, but they move if you don't look at them. They move more slowly in the dark than they do in the light. Which is why the crew suggested we bring them down here. We're constructing a couple of boxes for them. And when they're done, we're going to bring them down here. And I need you to keep an eye on them or us. If anything happens, you you let me know. There's a pregnant pause. You can hear Ursa breathing. And it's not because she's close to you. 
after that, you hear her speak. And it's not pained, which means it's in the form of a riddle. If I have it, I shouldn't share it. If I share it, I won't have it. <clears throat> yeah, you got it. Thanks, Essa. Walks back up. The third step always creaks. You hear her call out. <laughs> he stops and turns back around. Yes. Now you can hear the pain behind her voice because she's trying to speak to you. Do you fear it? No. There are those in the ship that do, but I do not. They're desperate, longing to be reconnected. And she follows after you. Huge, heavy step. Huge, heavy step. And she lumbers behind you. Just this massive... Beast. She's a beast. She is a massive lumbering beast. And when she gets up top deck, the sun is gone. And we can see just briefly the dusk light shine in her red eyes. And she slams down both her front arms and walks over to where the first one is standing. Elliot's at his papers again. We see his hair move because Ursa's breathing behind him and he freezes. Um, hello? And you hear Ursa making sniffing noises. Elliot, you need to move, please. Uh Uh-huh. And he moves away. And Ursa lumbers by and stands up on her legs. And Elliot's just staring at her in awe and interest. She sweeps one big arm around the thing very carefully and lifts it up and walks over to the other one where Roz is standing. He bows and points to where it is and she grabs the edge of the cloak and you see her black claws just curl as she sweeps it up into a bundle and puts it over her shoulder and lumbers back towards the bilge. Well, Hawthorne, we don't need a box for either of them. Hawthorne looks up at Ursa. What do you need from me, Miss Bloodnitch? And Ursa leans down to Hawthorne, and her voice is no longer pained. I am perfect. Impossible. And Roz opens his mouth to answer, and Hawthorne goes, Nothing. Okay. And Ursa nods and heads downstairs. Damn. Hawthorne gathers their stuff and is muttering under their breath in a language neither of you can understand and heads downstairs. Huh. All right, everyone back to work. Waylon doesn't move. Everybody gets back to work but Waylon. Even Elliot after being slack-jawed for a good five seconds afterwards, gets all of his stuff and heads downstairs as well to where Wayland's bench will be. Wayland is still staring at the spot it was. As he walks over to Wayland and puts his left hand on Wayland's left shoulder and he's facing him. You all right? There is a long moment, good solid minute, where Wayland does not respond. As he keeps his hand on your shoulder. I didn't know them, but... 
knew about them. I'd heard something horrible happen to them. This, this is certainly beyond words. He nods as he turns to look at the spot that Wayland was staring at. Other than a wet imprint of the person, there is nothing. Wayland, almost like he isn't sure of every step he takes, very carefully, very deliberately, places one foot in front of the other and walks back to his workstation. He heads back over to the helm. Mama Coco is there, obviously. You gave her the job of holding onto the helm while all this was going on. And next to the helm, she has a table that has a map on it. She's looking down at it, and there's a puzzled look on her face. What's going on? Jesse, you remember the map that Captain Kip gave us a while back? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not a cartographer. I can't make sense of heads and tails of all these markings. But something doesn't sit right with me, other than the fact that it smells like fish. Oh, no. It's almost as if we have a cartographer somewhere very close by. Oh. You could ask to look at the map. (laughs) Instead of being as confused as you are. Snarky motherfucker. You know, Captain, I actually enjoy being confused. It's how I live my life in a constant state of confusion. (laughs) Keeps things interesting. Especially aboard this ship. Would you like to continue to be confused, or would you like me to look at the damn map? I've had enough confusion for one day, thank you. I'd really love it if you cleared this up for me. It's mad ass. You are dismissed. Thanks. Let me know what you find. I will. And she waves her hand at you and (laughs) heads off. Just gonna take a peek. You look down at the fishing map, and recognize the area in which it is shown. The fishing map in this area, it's entirely blacked out. Not by accident. And there is an asterisk next to it. And below that, written in really horrible chicken scratch, barely legible, is a phrase. Sightless watches. Lifeless Moving, touchless reaches, soulless seeking. I'm just trying to get back home. What seems off is that some of the letters are written backwards. I read those letters. Damned be the drowned who lurk in the deep. Damned be the tides who know of no sleep. Oh boy. Fuck you. I love you. I love you so much. And you are one of my best friends. Both of you are. Fuck you. (laughs) Honey, you asked for this. God damn it. So, hey, I'm spending a danger point. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. You guys are right near the edge of that area where the city is. And Elliot is excitedly telling you that it expands this amount of length and it'll be this many leagues and this is how far deep it is in his rambling way. When the ship lurches as if a giant wave has come and hit it on the back end, so it rocks a little bit more than it should. And Elliot is not used to his sea legs yet and grabs the railing. 
was a big wave. Oof. Wayland is sort of snapped from his reverie and heads up to the top of the deck. You head up there. All of a sudden, the ship gets lurched again. And now it's backwards, and Elliot falls flat on his ass. Anyone know what that was? This time, Jesse's making sure to hold on tight so that he doesn't get thrown off. You don't want to eat shit this time. No. He doesn't need another concussion. Wayland's grabbed a rope. Steady. Get the lanterns on. Roz is swinging by, lighting the lanterns as he's going. He swings up back to the crow's nest, and we see him do a flip and land with one foot on the very tip of the crow's nest. And he's looking down at all of the water. Up ahead, we see from Roz's point of view, there is something rising out of the water very slowly. Capitano! Yes, Roz. Dead ahead. He pulls out the heart of matters. You see a mast starting to rise out of the water very slowly. And then the rest of it, the yard arm appears and the tattered sails come pouring out of the water. And then a half splintered deck. And as you're watching that, behind you is a tentacle rising out of the water. Fuck! Oh, come on. That was too perfect not to put a cliffhanger there. Nope, I will never stop doing them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gregory, could you fetch me the book, please? Thank you. Here it is, right here. Storyteller rulebook, rule number one. Cliffhangers. Do them when you can. As often as you can. (laughs) Thank you, Gregory. So, next time, we will begin in the writer's room with our very first action sequence involving sea monsters. Until then, we'll see you next time, friend. Be safe and well.